0: Well, hello, and here we are again. Uh, Welcome to Passing the Baton, number 40. Incredibly, it's number 40, and the title of this one is A Royal Inheritance, and the subtitle, You are a Royal Priesthood, a Holy Nation. And the date is the 28th of August, 2010. So, before we start, let's have a prayer. Father, I bless you. I'm so proud of you Lord you are so incredible just the way that you are in yourself you are so amazing all the things that you ask us to do and be is everything that you are you always give us first what you ask of us so it's a great joy and a privilege Lord just to come and give our hearts afresh to you today There's no safer place, Father, than your hands in which to put our hearts and lives because we know that new every morning is the mercy of God, that you're so incredibly faithful to us. And Father, I pray a spirit of wisdom and revelation to be upon us today, continuously layering into our hearts these foundational truths that are taking us down this road into the next place in the spirit that you've got for us. So Father, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, in Jesus' name, Amen. So the thrust of this teaching is that we are royalty, we are part of a royal family in the earth who have all the resources of heaven at our disposal. Where we're headed in this series is to come into all that heaven allows, into fullness, not measure and releasing of that fullness in the earth to the glory of God. This will require us to make intentional choices that will keep taking us along this road into the deeper life of the Spirit. God's intention is a family here on earth, a family who will represent Him as He really, really is, who will do the things that Jesus did and greater things than these because He's gone to the Father. There isn't a plan B in all of this, so we'll be looking at growing up in God, the ages and stages of growth of a Christian and we'll be examining something of the role of the Holy Spirit in this process. Whilst preparing for this month's teaching I've been impacted afresh by the love that calls salvation's plan to come to us and the innate goodness of the Godhead and their intentionality towards us in creation and redemption and the incredible loveliness and beauty of the Trinity. Genesis 1 26 tells us this then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness. He wanted us in his likeness and image in order that we might be able to fellowship with Him, in order that we might be able to communicate and commune with Him. His whole desire is the pleasure of our company. He wants us to live in His presence, in the eternal bliss and contentment that He enjoys forever. His eternal purpose in creation was driven by the love, delight and joy that have always been present in the Godhead. An eternal community which overflows with delight and love, full of fun and laughter. Their intense love for one another spilled over into a desire for a people whom they could love and who would love them with the same love. So we see in 1 John 4.19 We love because he first loved us. Love needs an object on which to focus its attention, ask any parent. This is why you were created, beloved, to be an object of Father's love and affection for eternity. His love is ever towards you. His eyes are always on you with affection. Psalm 1397 says, Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? Answer to that is nowhere. So great was this desire for a people for himself, an object upon which to focus love, that the Father was prepared to send his beloved Son, Jesus, from whom he'd never been separated, to pay the ransom price to restore us to himself. It's his plan which is being outworked in the theatre of life. His plan to have a people for himself, a bride for his son, one who will love him and trust him above all else, forsaking all others, cleaving only to him. I've had the great blessing recently to be able to think deeply and meditate upon the Godhead, their love for each other and their unity and their community. When one speaks, they speak for all three. There's no division or shadow of turning. Love is completed in them. They live in delight, joy and love, a divine, eternal community of persons in complete loving agreement with each other. Amazingly, the Father has placed us within that community, in the one place where we can get our needs met and our prayers answered in Jesus. My space. Our fellowship therefore truly is with the Father and the Son by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. There's nowhere to get to, we're already there, placed by the hand of the Father into the Son. Our responsibility is only to stay where we've been put in Christ. Everything will come to us in that place. The love of God is a spiritual garment which wraps itself around us as we intentionally and purposefully clothe ourselves with Christ. By our choices we nourish and water the Christ life within. God did not come primarily to deal with sin. He came to reconcile us to himself because sin had caused a barrier which he had come to remove. In love he sought us. He knew we were without hope in this world, without the cross. He was despised and rejected and because of the joy set before him he endured it. What was the joy? You beloved. You're his joy and his crown. You are the beloved of God. You are why he thought it worth going through the cross. You are precious beyond measure. God says so. This is so significant the lengths to which he was prepared to go to reconcile us to himself. We came with the leprosy of sin and we found ourselves lifted up, washed, loved and cared for, healed, listened to, understood, secure, significant, special, nurtured, accepted and part of the royal family of God. And our training for reigning with him began. The Father himself initiates everything, it's only ours ever to respond. The great love and goodness of God couldn't allow us to stay where we were, trapped in the fallen sin. He never blames us but gently calls us to come to an ever greater understanding of His plans and purposes for us. The Son accomplished the Father's purpose of reconciliation The Holy Spirit is our minister of the interior to make all things new in our lives. Settle the love issue first, beloved. Settle it that God is the perfect parent. Get rid of your religious baggage and analytical Western thought and recognise, as Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts nor are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. His thoughts of love are so much higher than yours, beloved, and he's not hiding from you. Neither is he withholding anything from you, Everything you experience is for your profit, your training for reigning. Galatians 4, 1-7 says this, Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything, but is under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Because you're sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, And if a son, then an heir through God. Every heir is trained for the position he or she will ultimately hold. Life's not easy for royalty. They have to live in a goldfish bowl where everything they do and say is scrutinised by the general public and the press. Our Queen has spent her life serving the people of this country. From a child she was trained for the position, though not expecting to take the throne. But when she did, all the training she had received had equipped her for office and she committed herself wholeheartedly to the work. She had to give up any thought of living a quiet family life. From the moment her father died she stepped forward and became what the country expected of her. She's given her life to this and she is to be much admired for her selfless dedication to doing her duty to the country. What about us? Nothing of this earth, no matter how worthy, is good enough for us. For he made us for himself, and our soul is ever dissatisfied until it finds its completion in him. Nothing can compare with the indwelling presence of the eternal, uncreated Godhead. Colossians 1.27 Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hope in the biblical context is confident expectation. Our journey is one from believing this truth, we call it exercising faith, through experiencing this truth, to knowing this truth, Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not enough to believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. It has to become true in our experience. Then and only then will we really know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We go from faith to knowledge. Once we have knowledge, we don't need faith. So when we do not have knowledge, we exercise faith, we believe. God gives us an experience of himself. We luxuriate in feeling his presence. The next thing we know, he seems to have withdrawn and we're left wondering what happened? What have we done wrong? where's he gone? We can't feel him anymore. At this stage many people become disillusioned, assuming that it's their fault in some way they believe they've not measured up to what he's expecting of them in some area of which they are unaware and they withdraw from being with him or conversely they go into striving to try to please him both to the delight of the enemy. What has happened is that he now requires us to enjoy him celebrate him even though we feel nothing so we declare trust We celebrate who he is, minus the feeling. Whether I feel it or not Lord, this I know, you are good. In this way we move from faith via the experience he's given us of himself to knowledge. Once we've done this and are secure in him, whether we feel him or not, he can let us have the feelings back because we're not dependent on them, but upon him and who we know him to be this is to be our experience all the time we know John seventeen ten says this this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent eternal life is knowing him as he really really is for you it's relational This is our journey, daily, moment by moment, putting the soul under the benevolent dictatorship of the Holy Spirit, yielding joyously to his work in our lives as the Christ life is formed in us and released through us. For some this is a great struggle, a fight to the death, forcing them to render up their sword to win the ground of their own soul. George Matheson said it like this, Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Force me to render up my sword, and I shall conquer a bee. I sink in life's alarms when by myself I stand. Imprison me within thine arms, and strong shall be my hand. My heart is weak and poor until it master find. It has no spring of action sure. It varies with the wind. It cannot freely move till thou hast wrought its chain, enslave it with thy matchless love and deathless it shall reign. My will is not my own till thou hast made it thine. If it would reach a monarch's throne it must its crown resign. It only stands unbent amid the clashing strife when on thy bosom it has lent and found in thee its life. When this is accomplished we will have him who is everything God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself 2 Corinthians 519 God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and he has committed to us the word of reconciliation what an amazing statement not counting their trespasses against them. The underlying factor in any hindrance to his purposes is always us beloved, our inability to believe what he has done in Christ, that he loves us unconditionally, it isn't based on our performance and that he's good and only has our best interests at heart. He has a good plan for us. It's only our obtuseness, our dullness, and our intransigence, our unwillingness to change, that keeps us locked into old patterns of thinking, habits, and behavior. We're like a prisoner whose door has been unlocked. All we have to do is walk free, but we remain in our cell, happy in our bondage. For many of us the battle is long and hard as the Lord seeks to unshackle us from controlling our own lives and those dearest to us because we think we know what's best both for us and them. Unconsciously we're in agreement with the enemy of our souls. Jesus came that we might be set free from this prison of self. It's the original lie. You can be master of your own destiny. This desire for self-rule and self-government is deeply ingrained in us. And for some the words that the writer of the Hebrews used could still be true. Hebrews 5.12 For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you come to need milk and not solid food the human condition is this we may desperately want to change the way we are but find ourselves unwilling to pay the price of the process of change which is not instantaneous but a day-by-day walk into the fullness of Christ who is our life Bob Mumford puts it this way Christians go into the supermarket of God's gifts and load up their trolleys from the shelves But when they come to the checkout they won't pay the man and so they turn around and put it all back. They won't pay the price. In the instant society in which we live there's a forgotten word and that word is discipleship. A disciple is one who is willing to learn and to go on learning. There is a difference between a growing congregation and a congregation which is just increasing numerically. Just as there is a difference between fruit on the vine and leaves on the vine. The vine dresser comes looking for fruit. If in a congregation all you have is an increasing number of people of the same quality, no one is maturing. You started with 60 spiritual babies, now you've got 600. You have or you are part of an orphanage, not a church. Nobody has a father or mother in God. All that's happening is that the bills are paid and the bottles, milk bottles are kept full. This is not God's best for us beloved. His plan is that we grow up in all things in Christ. Ephesians 4:15 But speaking the truth in love we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head even Christ God doesn't measure time he measures growth and he hasn't changed his mind about bringing many sons to glory Hebrews 2:10 And clearly stated in Romans 8:29 is his intention For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. The Father's heart is always that he should bring forth sons. Sons in the image of Jesus. And the process is Nepios to Huios. Some of us are in a hurry to get somewhere but we don't know where it is we want to be, we just want to be out from where we are. That beloved is immaturity. Immaturity pays no attention to the lessons we learn along the way or the problems incurred by disobedience. Disobedience has a price tag. The interest accumulates on it. Adolescent spirituality occurs when we remain aligned with negative emotions such as fear, anxiety and worry. We allow impatience to rule in our hearts. We maintain a victim mindset and a slave mentality because we are unwilling to allow Jesus to be Lord of our lives. We are not wholehearted towards him. Our difficulties only make us bitter, not better and disempowerment is our choice. Self-pity destroys our destiny and negativity slows down our development. No one drifts to the top of a mountain. They make plans how they will get there. It's the same for us. To go to a high place we must make plans to do so and determined to use the difficulties we encounter to elevate us, not cast us down. So maturity is about learning to enjoy the journey we're on, squeezing everything out of every situation for our profit. God will never allow an event or an impartation to take the place of process. He enjoys the journey with you process is where you build your relationship with God he uses every situation to profit you he's with you in it and he's promised to be with you always Matthew twenty-eight twenty, I'm with you always even to the end of the age nepios to huios then We've looked before at the ages and stages of growth from nepios, a child without speech, right through to fully mature sons, huios. God is looking for sons, not babies. To recap briefly, a nepios is literally a child without speech, a babe, one who's on the milk, noise at one end and smell at the other with a smile in between, they live in their own mess. They're always needing to be cleared up by someone else. This is fine for a short time. It's expected with babies. But if our dependency which needs to be on God becomes fixed on people, we are destined to live out our Christian walk as a perpetual baby, constantly needing reassurance and cleaning up at both ends. The next stage is the Technion stage. This is a baby who's weaned and taking solids. It's beginning to come off the milk. Trouble is with this age group, they never know what's good for them. All strawberries in the diet, no sprouts. So at this stage it's all what feels good and what tastes good. A Christian who is at this stage is consumed with how they feel. Their relationship with God is always about feelings. If you can't feel the Lord then he isn't there. We touched on that just now. Everything is emotional. Emotions for them are the evidence for the presence of God. This translates into a constant need for something new. To be at meetings because we want something to happen outside of ourselves. To give us a feeling like landing a cow pat on our heads, which we believe will transform us dream on, dream on. (laughs) Technions don't understand that everything God does, he does through process. A series of steps that takes you from where you are now to where God wants you to be. God will not do anything with you outside a process. Process is where you build a relationship with God. He'll not suddenly download faith on you because that would mean you never actually have to learn how to walk with him through a time of difficulty, holding on to his hand and believing in his name and his situational promise to you. We've all been on the road differing amounts of time, but our goal should be to grow from Nepios to huios and not get stuck in the Technion stage, where we have stacks of books and tapes but nothing ever becomes flesh on us what we really want is magic an impartation either to make it all go away or to transport us to some other higher realm in the spirit without any effort that beloved is magic and God doesn't do magic we have to work out our salvation God doesn't change his word no matter what the current evangelical fad may be there are no shortcuts we do it And if we have any wisdom, we will do it with thanksgiving, joy and rejoicing for such is the will of God for us. Ephesians 5.20 Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Every phase is meant to be gone through and grown through. Or as a friend of mine had the Lord say to her, you can either grow, groan through this or grow through it. Brilliant. So it's to be gone through and grown through. None of us want to remain Technions unless of course we want to remain childish rather than childlike. It is possible you know to go through difficult circumstances for an extended period of, t- period of time and prosper. It depends on your outlook and you get to choose how you will use those circumstances, whether you will stay childish or grow to be childlike and full of wonder. Your choice beloved, your choice. And don't blame anyone else because you're incapable of making quality choices naughty naughty. The next stage is the paid-on young men, teenagers, spotty adolescents. These people are often found in leadership and they are still subject to their unregenerate flesh. And regrettably they will show vindictive and sometimes vengeful behavior with outbursts of anger. They haven't paid their dues, they haven't taken responsibility for their own development and behavior. They may be very talented and gifted but gift is no substitute for character and sooner or later God will call them off the road in love for a major overhaul. All the time you are in the place of Nepios, Technion or Padon, you're not a fully mature son, you're a child. We're all children but not yet all sons. God will never fail you, he'll keep on trying with you You'll find the same set of circumstances, different faces, but the same essential circumstance until you see that the problem could just be with you. At that stage you begin to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and grow in what he's establishing in you. When God establishes the victory, he establishes authority in that area of your life over the enemy. It is at that point that you get vengeance this is your permission you begin to set others free in the very area you have always been defeated it's called payback revenge so there's a piece of territory out there in the spirit with your name on it press in and make it your possession ask god for a caleb spirit give me this mountain aim at something start the climb The final stage then is the Huios, a fully mature son. This is where God confers sonship upon you, the spirit of adoption. A son is someone who's passed their tests through every circumstance of their life. They've come to a place of knowing that the Holy Spirit is doing two things. Bringing them to a place where they can trust God and where he can trust them. A fully mature son is selected by the Father when they've proved themselves in life. Their word is their word. They are authentic and true. They've proved themselves in terms of their sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. They've proved themselves in terms of their character, integrity and sensitivity to who God is. And their faithfulness in all manner of situations. And what happens is that the Father, when he evaluates these things, decides this is now a fully mature son who can be trusted. And then comes the upgrade. He will say as he did to Jesus, This is my beloved son. If he speaks, it's my word. If he acts, he acts for me. He will not do anything that doesn't have my signature on it. He speaks and acts for me. In the Middle East it used to be called the ceremony of adoption. It's not what we understand in the West, but a conferring of a place of authority and responsibility upon someone who has proved out in the circumstances of life. In every circumstance or situation you are in right now, trust will be the issue. Either you trusting him or him trusting you. and It's all part of your process towards the next upgrade in the spirit. God eagerly desires to send the spirit of adoption into your life. When he comes it will be as an open heaven and God will begin to move on you because he trusts you with the anointing. This is what creation is waiting for beloved. This is what creation is groaning in eager expectation of the showing forth, the manifestation of the sons of God. Romans 8.19 in the Amplified says it like this, For even the whole creation, all nature, waits expectantly and longs earnestly for God's sons to be made known, waits for the revealing, the disclosing of their sonship. If you don't have a passion for Jesus right now, a desire to climb that mountain, ask for one. Ask and keep on asking until he kindles your heart with a desire for him that matches his desire for you. Ask, beloved, and keep on asking. He longs to impart that same desire to you for him that he has for you. Of him and through him and to him are all things. Romans 11:36. If you come to trust in the nature of God, nothing will be impossible for you. You'll hear the call of God, and you'll respond in faith, and you will become part of the unpredictable church that he so desires us to be in this day. Never forget that we are the agent God uses to bring his kingdom to earth. And Jesus is always our pattern. Sons who are about their father's business, doing and saying exactly what he does and says, just like Jesus, bringing heaven to earth, living a supernatural lifestyle. As as he is in this world, so are we. This is our inheritance, beloved but there is a process. 1 John four seventeen. This is the process. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. As he is so are we in this world. Jesus nature is sweet A son bears his father's likeness in character, lifestyle and conduct. Jesus said in John 5.30 in the Amplified, I am able to do nothing from myself independently of my own accord but only as I am taught by God and as I get his orders. Even as I hear, I judge. I decide as I am bidden to decide As the voice comes to me, so I give a decision. And my judgment is right, just, righteous, because I don't seek or consult my own will. I have no desire to do what is pleasing to myself, my own aim, my own purpose, but only the will and pleasure of the Father who sent me. Jesus was a Father pleaser, He lived to do the will and pleasure of the Father who sent him. Our inheritance is to be like the Son. Hebrews 2.10 For it was fitting for him, for whom are all things, and through whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. God's goal for us then in order that we may come into our inheritance is maturity, a maturity which is marked by our personal experience of the love and goodness of God. Maturity is not about gaining information but about gaining knowledge through our experiences and through that experience to manifest or show forth the Christ life. In the West we've majored on function, what we do, rather than relationship, who we are. God is in the business of turning us round, it's called repentance, changing our thinking. We were created for relationship, for the serenity and joy of heaven, God is the fiery radiance of a goodness that can never be angry, upset, or daunted. He is full of love, joy, and laughter, and he is able to keep us. Jude 1.24 tells us that, to him who is able to keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and great joy he is able beloved, we're not a great problem to him. He's always present future with us seeing and bringing forth the treasure that's hidden within. He's able to present us faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Hebrews 12.2 Who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are the joy which was set before him. The only thing he requires, the thing that delights him, is our willingness of heart to be transformed. Beloved, he doesn't look on your ability to change yourself, but on your willingness of heart to be changed, change is the Holy Spirit's job. All he wants is your willingness. So it's our willingness, this is the sum, plus his ability which equals change into his likeness. He's not looking for a bride who has a mind full of memory verses and knows the scriptures inside out but a bride whose heart has been touched, melted by his adoration of her. A bride who is in loving relationship with Him. Heaven is joyful. Goodness is God. He is patient, trusting, and kind, always bearing and forbearing with us in love, because He predestined us, Ephesians 1 5, in love, to adoption as sons, fully mature, huios. Everything is for our profit. The circumstances in your life right now are incredibly important for the person that you're becoming. Confidence is the hallmark of a born-again believer. Moment by moment awareness of him and his working within us will bring us righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Romans fourteen seventeen. For the Kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So important to know what God is doing in you, as well as what God is doing through you, and to not confuse the two. So it's our inheritance, beloved, to live in the love of God and joyfully give it away. Jesus was a man acquainted with sorrow. He experienced it. It touched him, but he didn't live there. Isaiah 53 3 tells us that. He was acquainted with grief. He can accomplish in us what he purposes. Ask Job. Job 42 2 in the NIV. I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Or perhaps read the novel, The Shack, a modern piece of literary genius showing the true nature of this great God whom we serve. He came to fill us with Himself, with His life which is abundant. How can we not stand in amazement and delight in who He is? John 10.10 tells us that the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Frederick Faber, who lived in the 19th century, put it like this in his hymn, My God, how wonderful thou art. O little heart of mine, shall pain or sorrow make thee moan, when all this God is all for thee a father all thine own." It's a really good spiritual discipline to dip into the works of Christians of previous centuries to see their experience of God. They've become known as mystics, which is not a word to shy away from. They're not into mysticism. The word is used to describe those who've had a personal spiritual experience almost on a level with Bible writers, They've seen God with the eye of the Spirit and they try to describe their blissful union with him during these encounters. Madame Guillon, Frederick Faber, Julian of Norwich all had experiences of God that changed them permanently and their writings attempt to convey these. They walked the high road of truth where the prophets and apostles trod down the ages. They appear sometimes to be ecstatically aware of the presence of God in his nature and the world around him and they're indeed to be envied and certainly to be read if we truly desire to come to maturity. On another level Mary Warburton Booth wrote this hymn in the last century. He is not a disappointment. Jesus is far more to me than in all my glowing daydreams I had fancied he could be. And the more I get to know him so the more I find him true and the more I long that others should be led to know him too. Different levels of spirituality. In God there is only good and only good comes to us from him when we are in Christ. It may not feel good but it will work for good. We see the pain and the suffering in the world and sometimes in our own lives too and at this point the enemy of our soul would endeavour to draw us away in confusion. If all this is true, if God is indeed good and for me, what then? How can I worship him as a God of love when all these things are true for me? The answer is, beloved, he will work all things for good for us. Romans eight twenty eight tells us so. All the power of the enemy is shut up in the hand of our friend," said Julian of Norwich. Nothing can come at us unless God allows it, and if He allows it, it's for our ultimate profit. God means it for good. 2 Corinthians 4.17 in the King James Version says this, and I can only find it in this version to say exactly what I mean. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent by his power everything is profitable for building our relationship with God when we come to Him expressing our trust particularly in the face of dire circumstances and situations because it's these times that we get to know what He's really really like and what He wants to be for us through these trials and tribulations and we develop a childlike trust that says God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And what was it he said? He said, all things work together for good, for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. All things aren't good, but they work for good. In all of this we're learning to live from the inside to the outside, As our spirit moves on our soul to bring it into alignment with him no matter what. We are learning to pass from faith to knowledge via the bridge of experience. Knowledge not based on experience is simply knowledge, information, facts. It's not impacted our lives nor has it changed us for the better. In Christ is all our plea. In Christ Is all our righteousness. It is accredited to us and imparted to us as we journey with God. At least 37 things apparently happened to us the moment we were plunged into Christ at our conversion. Unless the reality of our position becomes our possession we will constantly have a wrong view of God and will be standing in the wrong place. What I mean is we have a choice here. Either we stand on God's side and view life from his perspective or we stand on our own side and try to make him answer our why questions to the satisfaction of our rational minds. Jesus' attitude must become our attitude. We must clothe ourselves with Christ. He clothed himself in our flesh. We must clothe ourselves in his attitude towards God the Father an attitude of childlike faith, trust and complete abandon to a good father. In this way, the love of God becomes a spiritual garment that wraps itself around our inner being and we come to see, dimly at first, then with more and more clarity, how his love embraces, watches over, protects, surrounds, shapes and directs us. God is the creator, lover and protector of our souls. But first, it is essential that we take on the new mind of faith spoken of in Romans 12, 1-2. And the message says it well. Place your life before God. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. We must settle it that God is good and that his intentions are good towards us. We must leave suspicion, mistrust and doubt behind as a conscious act of our will and step into our eternal inheritance which is ours in Christ Jesus. Anything that's worth having doesn't come easily. It's a price to pay and that price is wholehearted intentionality towards God. Through this we will come into the promised land and the land of promises, our inheritance in Christ Jesus. There can never be a lasting breakthrough without follow-through, which is walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit. To follow through will require our active, moment-by-moment, cooperation with the Holy Spirit's working within us. If He wants to work gentleness, meekness, love and self-control into us, we'll have to make the choices which will bring forth the fruit. No shortcuts, no ways round it. We have to make the moment-by-moment moment choices and it will be in relationships with those difficult people he places round us. We'll have to pay the man or put the goodies back on the shelf. If you're planning to provoke anyone, make sure it is to love and good works, Hebrews ten, twenty four. We can't hope to police the heavenly's beloved until we live our own lives in self-government. We cannot hope to attain to the work of God, where He endorses what's being done in the name of His precious Son by signs and wonders, unless we first submit to the work of God in our lives. The power to choose submission to God belongs to the Spirit of God, of Jesus within us, the Blessed Comforter who works in us both to will and to do, he will enable us to obtain both breakthrough and follow-through as we walk in loving communion, trust and cooperation with him ephesians two ten says "We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that we would walk in him, but walk in them. The word "workmanship" in the Greek here is poema p o i e m a from which we get the word poem which means a thing which is created which is made we are his poem being written shaped and formed a line at a time before we arrive at the good works prepared in advance for us to do we're his workmanship crafted with the greatest of care so